Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. I'm excited to bring on today's podcast guest because she has a podcast herself. We're under the same production company, Dear Media. And I don't know, her content is really cool. I see it come up a lot and she's just been outside of my bubble. So I'm excited to sort of sit down, have some conversations with her all around her journey through motherhood, mental health, and telling other people you're not alone. She has a podcast called Freckled Foodie and Friends Pod, and it is already over a million downloads. She is doing all the things, and we're going to sit down and have a conversation about it all. And so enjoy the show, and I hope your summer is going absolutely delightfully well. I feel like I'm just buckling up for it myself. So let's just ease into today's episode and enjoy everything we're about to lean into and learn. Okay, enjoy. Cameron, I'm so excited to have you on. First of all, I have to ask you this. Did you change your handle from Freckled Foodie to Cameron? And talk to me about that process because I think about it. Everyone tells me absolutely not. You will never not be the bird's papaya. You were never allowed to be Sarah Nicole. My handle is already taken. But what made you like finally take the plunge to making it your name? And like, was it easy? Okay, well, I'm so excited to be here. I followed you for so long. So I'm just so pumped. But I actually was listening to you on an interview and I remember you saying like, I am still one of those people that has a blogger name as a handle. And I giggled to myself because I think when this all started, whatever years ago, when you entered the game, it was a thing that everyone had handles. You had a handle. Yeah. So mine was Freckled Foodie, honestly, because I was still working in the corporate world and I wanted Mm. to keep very separate like church and state. I wanted my work (laughs) to be one thing and this Instagram to be a separate thing. I didn't tell anyone. Like I was very secretive about it. My face wasn't on it. It was all food. And 
that was then my website and it became my podcast name, Freckled Foodie and Friends. So yes, and it became this kind of alter ego for me. Yeah, totally. And then I I think it was when I, I guess it was after I became pregnant the first time around, I started posting less food because I, A, was just like disgusted by the concept of food during pregnancy. Amen. And B, yeah, just repulsive. Gross. And then when I gave birth, like, just over the past that year, my relationship with food had been, I'd been trying to heal that prior to becoming pregnant. And then I think I did the most work during pregnancy and postpartum. And I felt really comfortable with my relationship with food that I, again, just felt less interested in creating content around food. And my content shifted to more like mental health, parenting, lifestyle, specifically Mm. like postpartum stuff. So then I would get people messaging me who followed me from my postpartum content being like, why the heck is your name, Franklin Cody? I've never seen you even post food. And I was like, you're very right. And even the brands I was working with were more lifestyle and parenting. So for me, it was definitely like a big conversation I remember having with my management. And it was something that they were recommending. And I was like, I don't know. I'm so – I felt very tied to the identity of this handle because it also allowed me – and I don't know if you feel this way, but our job is so confusing where the lines are already so blurred. Oh, I talk about this all the time. Yes, I know where you're going. It allowed me to almost think of this as like an alter ego that yeah. was separate from me. So yeah. even one of my favorite things, pe- meeting people and members of the Freckled Foodie family, which is what mm-hmm. I call my community, it makes me so happy. But when they approach me, they're usually like, Freckled Foodie. And I love that because then I almost feel like we're talking about someone else. I'm like, hey, yeah. how are you? Like, yeah, yeah. It's not me, if that yeah. makes sense. So I was really confused by that. I was like, I don't know if I want this to be my name because – I don't want it to be this whole like me show, but yeah. I did end up just ripping off the band-aid. My name was taken too, so I had to use my middle name, you have which to use I'm your middle name, yeah. Happy about. I love my middle name. And it's interesting. I still, maybe because of the show and my website, Self Freckle Foodie, like I still refer to my community as FF Fam and still almost nine out of ten times when I meet someone on the street, they refer to me as Freckle Foodie also. But mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. kind of tell who's who's like a newer member of our community because then they are like Cameron. So it's a running joke with my husband of like what people refer to me as. Yeah. And I get what you mean about like the identity thing and like how it's almost like an alter ego. To me, I almost think of it as like the birds papaya is almost like a room in my home. And so mm. it's, I'm still me when I enter it, but it's also like divided from everything else. Like totally. I still have this weird, it's like my hangout room. It's like where I go to mm. hang out with my friends and share stuff that's going on. But also it's very bizarre to me. Like when my husband hopped, like when I see him watching my stories, I'm like, sir, what are you oh, doing? So my husband's out I will have media. sex with you, but do not like, no. don't watch my stories. That's too, this is for me and my friends in this room. Like, what are you doing here? But I like, it's, it's a, that. Right? Like, it's a very weird realm of, like, stuff. And so, I don't know. It's very interesting, though, because I I get it. I want – I really, from Hot Moment, like, really wanted my name to be my thing because I was like, I don't want – I don't want this, like, separate identity. Nobody Mm -hmm. even knows my name. They, like, just shout papaya in the street. (laughs) And – but then as time goes – or, like, at every time you're announced anywhere, it's, like, Sarah Nicole Landry, a.k.a. the Bird's Papaya because everyone's like, who the hell is Sarah Nicole Landry? You don't 
fucking know. <laughs> like I just, but then I'm like, maybe one day I'll be really grateful for this. Maybe this is like meant to be. And I kind of love now that we have this merge of like the new and the old where there are people who still have their original blogger handles. And then there's some who like are going by their identity. But even in your head, if you were OG, like you're still freckled foodie. Like totally. I actually was confused too. Cause I was like, wait, I know you. Uh, why is this like a different person? Are you like somebody who works for freckled foodie? And then I was like, oh no, she did the switch. She did the switch. So I, I had to it, ask you about it. Cause I think it's, yeah. an, it's really interesting for anybody who's been there and like trying to figure out like, where do I go? Should I have a brand identity or should I have a personal identity? That's my brand. Like it's, it's hard to it's figure confusing. out. It's confusing. And I think you can have both the biggest thing for me was that the food aspect didn't correlate to the content yeah. I was putting out. Fair. And because my content especially focused so much on mental health and, like, that's the avenue mm-hmm. I was most interested in, I didn't want the food aspect to hold me back. But yeah. what you're saying of having this kind of room that's yours, I feel that way when I moved to mm-hmm. the suburbs meeting new people and then they ask what I do for work. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't oh want gosh. them to— See what I'm doing because this is my space room. I just fucking like let my thoughts ramble. Like I have no felt. Like I just go and I don't. It's weird for me when my close girlfriends are like, oh, I saw this thing that you were doing. I was like, no, what are you doing watching myself? It's over you. I know. It's it's also like reverse weird though, because if you're out, I was out one time and I was just like at a park and I was talking to another mom and I really liked her shirt. So I was talking to her about her shirt and we were like, dee, 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 dee. and the, the end of like an hour of us spending time together, she looks at me and she goes, I hope this isn't weird, but I'm a really big fan. Can we have a photo? And I was like, oh my gosh, I literally retold you half of my life story, but you already knew it because I tell everything all the time online. But I was like, people are so, I, you know, how, what do you do? Right. So it's I always, also can confusing and new territory I think for everyone yeah we really have like these two worlds but I want to talk to you about um because I know a bit of your story but like I want to talk to you about why that food sort of started to take a backseat to motherhood and mental health particularly what's the story there that really caused you to go okay there's more to what I need to talk about and share online than just food and recipes even if that's your start you really veered into a new direction. Like you said, the food started to feel disgusting when you were pregnant and you entered into a new realm of mental health. And I'm somebody who really came face to face with how jarring that experience can be only in the last few years. I've, I've been on the outside of it many, many times. I've talked to so many people who have talked about perinatal mental health and going through mental health and motherhood. And I've always been like, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. But to go through it yourself feels very, very different. What what was your experience and were you, um, like, how did you sort of navigate that? And especially the desire to share it online. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The first part of the question of, like, the moving from the food Mm -hmm. to the mental health thing was really when I quit my corporate job five years ago to do this full-time or for... What did you do before? I what was in sales and trading oh, okay, at J.P. Cool. Morgan. So completely oh, wow. separate wow. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different. Very um, different. Yes. So when I left to do this full time, that was when I started to share more about myself. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was going through a lot of mental health struggles. I've always struggled with anxiety. But I think I felt if I leave this job and I go chase my dreams, I'll be happy every hour of every day. And that's not reality for really anyone. And so I then became almost more anxious and really consumed by my work. And once I started sharing more about my mental health, I realized that none of us are alone. And I think Mm -hmm. feeling alone is the most isolating emotion you can experience. And if we all laid our shit on the table and were more honest and vulnerable about our emotions, we'd realize that we're collectively all struggling with something. And once that kind of started opening the conversation in my DMs with people, not only selfishly was it great to realize, oh, other people feel this way too, but I then came to the conclusion, everyone else feels alone and they're not Mm -hmm. based on all of these DMs I'm getting. And I've always been, just historically, I, I don't feel shame around this conversation. I'm someone who, when we meet, I'm laying it all out there. Yeah. Like, that's just how I've been. And so mm-hmm. I felt very comfortable doing that. It was never something that I felt I had to force or I questioned. And that's where I think I started to really build my community. And that, to me, felt so much more meaningful than someone responding, saying that they made a recipe that I posted. Yeah. And there's obviously so much room for food content. So many people find it incredibly helpful. So many creators are completely fulfilled by it, and it's amazing. But for me, I really wanted to follow what lit me up. And Mm -hmm. simultaneously, I was healing my relationship with food after dealing with just some orthorexic and obsessive behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. And the more I dealt with them, the less interested and obsessed I became with food where I was Mm -hmm. like, it's just food. And this all was happening. Then I got pregnant. And for me, pregnancy had always been this thing that I was so excited for. I was that annoying girl that was like, I can't wait to be pregnant. I, oh my God, my body's made for this. That shit is so hard. I'm in the middle of my second pregnancy right now, and I'm reminded every day how difficult it is. It is. It was, I think this, it rocked me because it was so different in reality than what I had expected. Mm -hmm. And I started sharing about that. And that, I think, opened up more conversation in my community specifically around the reality of pregnancy. You know, Mm -hmm. we see now we see a lot more of it. But historically, we've always seen these glamorized. I feel so powerful. I'm a strong, beautiful. It's all butterflies and rainbows. And that was just not my experience. I didn't feel any of those things. And I was just so so surprised by everything that was happening to my body and confused. And I kept thinking, why did no one tell me this? Mm. So I started sharing that journey. And because mental health had always been something I had talked about, 
I had said how I was kind of preparing for postpartum and, you know, whether it be my psychiatrist having my husband's information and there being open dialogue between the two of them during my postpartum experience or signs that I was looking out for, all of those things. I was sharing my postpartum experience very openly and in real time. And Mm. quite honestly, I was totally great in the beginning phase where all you have to do is focus on like everyone needs to eat shit and sleep and we're a team and we can hunker down in this like cave that we have and figure it out. But then when I started to re-enter the real world and the outside world and return to parts of my life that existed before I was a mom, that's where, sorry, that's where my postpartum depression really came to rise. And this intense confusion of who am I anymore? I have no idea what my identity is, what I like to do, what Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And as I continue to share that, I realized that so many women feel very similar things. So that's what really led me to being so honest about it. And now through this pregnancy, I know you dealt with it on your last pregnancy, just feeling incredibly depressed during the pregnancy and that confusing you a ton and feeling very conflicting around your emotions. And it's been a wild ride. But for me, I try to share as much as I feel comfortable sharing while also, you know, having some boundaries for myself and my family. But I just think the more people talk about this, the more we realize that you're not alone and that everyone's going through something and Mm -hmm. to hopefully help others prepare or get through these situations. Or even talk about it, even if it's been so far past the fact. I found that when I was actually in prenatal depression, talking about it was so, it was a lot of emotional effort because I was still in it. I still felt like this monster of a person. And then I was also navigating how to share about it while dancing the line of what's appropriate to talk about, knowing that a lot of people struggle to get pregnant. And here I was struggling with being pregnant. I didn't, there's a lot of difficulties there. And there was a lot of, I think a lot of people who experience uh, prenatal depression or post any sort of perinatal mental health, it does rob you of certain things. I wrote an entire thing that I've never been able to post because it's like, it was just for me. And it was just processing how much I missed and how much joy I didn't get in my pregnancy and in, you know, a lot of certain parts of postpartum during the pandemic that you openly have to grieve years later and go, I didn't, I didn't have the capacity to talk about that three years ago. And I have the capacity now and nobody is really like, no, we're not in it in this moment, but I still went through a lot and I still need to have a space to talk about it and to recognize like it is, it's staggering the number of maternal death that happens with perinatal mental health. Like we can talk about it and be like, yes, we want, we want parents to be supported. We don't, I don't think we really understand the numbers behind this and how much, how much it, it can really impact an entire family. It's an entire rippling system out when a mother doesn't feel like she has somewhere to go. She can't talk about it. She is isolated because A, she gets told she's just got a healthy baby, suck it up. B, she feels like a monster. She doesn't want other people to know that that's going on. And three, where do you even go? And that's why I appreciate people who have that openness and willingness to talk about it because it doesn't come, it's not easy all the time. Like maybe for some people it's easier, but it's not easy all the time. And you do face a certain realm of 
not backlash, but just like pushback when you're talking about certain things, right? And it's it's hard to allow two things to exist at once. I was so grateful to be pregnant and having a baby. And I also went through severe prenatal depression where I did not want to have a baby. Those two things were very, very true at the exact same time. And what I appreciate about your story is that it wasn't this immediate, have a baby, I have postpartum depression. Yours came slightly later, while trying to reintegrate into who you are while being a mom. Was it easy for you to see that something was off or wrong? Or did you have, did you sort of have some warning bells going off that you were like, is this that? Because I don't think a lot of people realize postpartum can depression can happen, I think, up to a year after. Do you know? I believe it's I've heard nine months to a year. Obviously, yeah. don't quote me on that, but yeah, that's what yeah. I've heard. I think it's somewhere for- around there. For me, there definitely were some signs. And again, like I said, I've struggled with anxiety and bouts of depression before this. So Mm -hmm. I had been on antidepressants my entire pregnancy. It was something that I was very hyper aware of potentially happening. I had thought when, you know, the baby, he was put on my chest and I felt this immediate connection. I was like, oh, we're good here. I don't have Mm -hmm. postpartum depression. Like we've made it. Because that was more of the story that I had heard, which obviously a lot of women struggle with as well. And everyone's mm-hmm. story is so different from conception to postpartum. Yes. And for me, I really did, I wouldn't say thrive, but I really, I loved that time period of me, my husband and our son alone in our apartment, just like in it. We were a team and we did it. And I'm so proud of us. And then it was when, again, our job makes it very confusing with the blurred lines trying to return to aspects of my work, also just seeing friends, Mm -hmm. whether it be some of my friends who didn't have kids anymore. I felt like I had nothing to add to the conversation because I'm like, they don't want to hear about my kids' breastfeeding schedule. But that's all that's on my mind. And I was having a lot of intrusive thoughts, and that was the first kind of warning sign for me. And then I just remember wanting absolute darkness and silence Mm. and being at my parents beach house where that is my absolute happy place and we had put our son down for the night and this had happened a few times but everyone was out back and they have this kind of like pool house area where everyone hangs out at night and everyone's having fun and talking and whatever and I just kind of escaped and went upstairs and sat in a hangout room in the dark and just sat there And I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't reading. I was literally eyes open in silence. And my husband came Mm. in. I was like, what's going on here? And I just started crying. And I I said to him, I don't know what is happening, but I do not feel like myself. I don't want to be with people. I don't want to enjoy myself. I don't want to have fun. I just want to sit in silence. And I said this once on a TikTok, and trauma bonding is the wrong word I learned later on, but I feel this deep, deep connection to my child because through the darkest phases of these periods, I always felt best when I had him in my arms personally. And I was like, you're my reason. I will do Mm -hmm. fucking anything Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you will be the thing that helps me get through this. Not to put that on him, but... No. I just felt I will get through this for you. And it still makes me very emotional now when I think about those times as I'm approaching the second postpartum and hoping that it'll be a different experience. And I think that'll also be interesting to feel 
the comparison and realize what maybe I lost in the first one or what I was yeah. robbed of because of this, if they are different, I'm hoping. But I am so grateful for him and for my husband and for my support system for helping me get through this. But there were definitely some moments where I would I had the wherewithal to say to my husband, my therapist, my psychiatrist, my family, my close friends, this is not how I'm supposed to be feeling. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Yeah, I um, resonate with that a lot because I think there's, even if somebody isn't going through like true postpartum depression, there's something about that time when you're so exhausted and the last thing you want to do is be like woken up in the night and there you are and you're so tired and you're so sad in certain ways. I don't know, this is me speaking, but like you feel like a certain level of sadness for, you know, the life that you used to have. And then you like look down and you have this baby and you're like in it together. Like you're in the weeds, but you're with somebody and they rely on you, but you also sort of rely on them. Like it's not, I get what you're saying. It's not like necessarily trauma bonding, but when you're going through this like mutual experience, even if you're giving all of yourself and they're just there with you, they're still there with you. There's like a it's such an interesting thing that I think anybody who's ever been up with a baby in the middle of the night knows exactly that feeling of like where you're just alone with them. And I'm fascinated to hear because I think that everyone needs to have been sort of going with this ethos lately that believing something can happen to you is the best way to be prepared. Because I was somebody who thought that I was not going to be the one in my family that struggled with mental health. I was going to be, you know, my kids will never struggle with certain things. That's just not something that's going to happen. Most recently, I saw a post by Safe in the Seat talking about how to prevent um, car seat death, like hot car seat death by leaving your kid in the car. And she's like, the number one thing is to believe that it can happen to you. And I've been sort of applying that to different parts of my life because I'm like, a lot of times it's just our pride that gets in the way. I'm too good a mother. I would never forget my kid in the car. There's no way I could ever, you couldn't fathom doing it, yet it does happen. So believing things can happen to you help you become more prepared for that possibility. Going into this 
birth and going into this next postpartum. And for anybody that's listening that is also going to experience that at some point or is about to as well, what would you say are, you know, your key takeaways from the first experience into the second one that you believe is helpful to preparing for postpartum, even delayed postpartum depression? Because I think we need to continue to bring that point up because the monitoring like drops off after six weeks. People aren't going to keep asking you how you're doing. Yeah. I first and foremost think whether if you are someone who's planning on returning to work, figuring out what that leave looks like and trying to set yourself up for success. I don't think I did that the first time around. It's especially hard when you're working for yourself. So that's something I'm navigating right now to prepare for because my priority will be my family no matter Mm -hmm. what. Mm -hmm. And I want to give myself some ample time. Secondly, I do feel this time around, I'm hopeful that I now have the lived experience and data almost on my side where the first time around, it felt so permanent, everything. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. convinced myself I would never sleep through the night again. I was like, I will be breastfeeding at one and four in the morning for the rest of my goddamn life. I will (laughs) never feel rested. I will constantly be covered in breast milk dripping all over my body. So I had convinced myself that it was so permanent. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, I feel this way with everything. And it's been very helpful as we go through navigating parenting experiences for the first time with our toddler. The the reminder that nothing is permanent. It is all temporary. So even when we're navigating right now, dealing with frustration over – trying to walk up and down the stairs. And it is like the truest test of my patience. I have to remind myself, this is not forever. One day Mm -hmm. he will confidently Mm -hmm. do this on Mm -hmm. his own and it Mm -hmm. won't have to be this thing. But in the beginning, you don't know that because it's all so new. So I'm hoping that this time around, I can rely on that lived experience and remind myself that one day he will sleep through the night or she, we don't know the sex of the baby we're having. Ooh, a surprise. I know, throwback. But we're like, one day they will see through the night and I will not be breastfeeding forever. And on that note, I also think this time around, I didn't put this intense pressure on myself to breastfeed, but I definitely just kind of took this feeling of this is my role and I'm going to do it and I want to do it all. Mm -hmm. And so I exclusively breastfed for the first five-ish months. My husband would give like one bottle in the night of my breast milk. And this time around, we are combo feeding from the beginning. Love I'm it. like, we. I don't want to put that pressure on myself. Yeah. I want the most help that I can get. Also, because I want to be present as a mom to our toddler as well. Yeah. That's something that's definitely stressful in planning for me because that scares me. I don't want him to feel like I've suddenly disappeared. And I also think if you're listening to this, whether you're about to go through postpartum or you're someone who has people in your life going through it, continuing to check on people is the most important thing. Yes. I really feel strongly that we care about the birthing person until the baby exits the vagina. And then it's like, okay, how's the baby? Let me see the baby. Like, you know, people come over and they just want to hold the baby. And then suddenly you're the one cleaning up. And it's like, wait a damn minute. So yeah. I think continuing to check on that person after they give birth to really emotionally be there for them. Sure, obviously, how is the baby doing? What's the latest? But how are you doing? How are you feeling? Do you need help with anything? 
And showing up for friends in that way, I do think is very difficult if you haven't gone through postpartum Mm -hmm. because I am way more helpful to friends who are giving birth now than I was to friends who gave birth before me because I had no freaking idea what they were experiencing. So giving yourself grace in that, but also just really trying to emotionally support the person going through postpartum and making sure that you're checking in on them and being there for them as well. Yeah, I think that somebody actually said this about grief years ago, like to put the important dates in your calendar. And I think the same thing for people going through postpartum. And I remember my friend was giving birth last year. I was like, I will not forget to like show up for her. And I remember like three months later, I sent a meal because I was like, no, we have to keep it top of mind, check in on them. And I remembered for myself postpartum, I mean, you kind of feel like an incubator at the end of it because you really do feel like society was so happy for you that you're carrying a human child into this world. And then the human child comes out of you and they're like, okay, thanks. And I remember having to go and like, and I talked openly about it on social media. I'm like, go and get your blood levels tested again. Go and keep talking to your doctor about what feels off because I, I'm i in Canada. I have a lot more access to healthcare and I, and I do acknowledge that. However, it was just like when you're pregnant, you're poked and prodded and measured the entire way. Every week. Then you're your body goes through this massive jolt and then you're just released into the wild of yourself. And then you're like, why am I struggling? Like I've been openly talking about the fact that my body's gone into full freak out in the last like six months. And we're talking two years postpartum. I'm like, what is going on? Because I never actually balanced out my hormones again after birth. I never actually got back to a place or, and it's not about going back to the former body that I was, but I haven't rebalanced. And so my body was sort of like, hey, like there's a lot going on. We went through a lot here. We, you know, gave birth to a child. We, you know, breastfed them for a year and we've had a very high stress life for the last little while managing this new life. And it just went into a full freak out. And I'm still working through that. I have the capacity to work through that now. I didn't have the capacity at six weeks postpartum, didn't have the capacity at six months postpartum, but continuing to remind the the birther that they're valued, that they're important, that they need to, like, how are you feeling? Like, how have you, like, how is your, I don't know, whatever, how has everything been? Like, I just think we get so into what's the baby into? Are they rolling over? Are they eating solid foods? All of that. Are they sleeping through the night? And we forget to ask the mom that, but we, or the parent that, and we do it the entire pregnancy for them. So it is a very like abandoning situation. And I wonder often if it's a big reason that so many people also struggle with that grief for their body, because you go from being so monitored and so praised and so adored to just a complete silence. And when you walk into silence, it's so loud. The only loudness you get is if you somehow appear like you never gave birth to a child in mentally, emotionally, and physically look like nothing happened, then you're praised and applauded. But otherwise you, you enter into silence and that's not just a physical form. Like it's mental, it's emotional, and it's really, really hard for a lot of people. And I think that to your point too, just really finding your identity at a time where all you're thinking about is a breastfeeding schedule or a poop schedule and all that stuff and trying to figure out how to live life again and realizing that things are temporary. It's so easy to say after the fact. It's so hard to give that advice when somebody's like truly in it. It's one of the things I think I say the most to new parents now, like when you're like trying to not give them advice, but you're like just being that like older, wiser (laughs) person where you're just like, 
that like you're just you want to validate what they're feeling and you also want them to know like this is not it's not going to be forever and it's so hard because I I remember like I'm sure you heard it too like oh the days are long but the years are short and in the time you're like yeah I could I could use a few flybys right now I could use some one two skip a fuse and you're exhausted it's really hard to put it all into perspective when you're in it. So a lot of times people just need to be validated in how they're feeling and be reminded that it's not forever, but we see you right now. If someone was going to come onto your Instagram and your podcast, because I feel like we could talk about this all freaking day, what would you, what do you want people to pull from it? Like what's your, what's your core ethos when it comes to how you show up online, especially given the the changes that have happened in your own life in the last few years and how that's changed it, how you've shown up in podcasting and on social media. Yeah. For me, the biggest thing is reminding someone, whoever's coming to my page that they're not alone, whether Mm. it be emotionally, physically, whatever they're going through, I want them to remember they're not alone. And I actually did a story, I guess a few months ago, because I was talking to my therapist about this. Mm. I am having a bit of confusion around how to show up online, what my career is looking like, what the direction is. Because again, during this pregnancy with a mix of depression and anxiety and just lack of creativity, which is confusing in this industry Yes, and trying to navigate it all. I'm like, what am I even doing here? What am Mm -hmm. I doing? So she Mm -hmm. asked me to pull my community and ask for pieces ask for words or adjectives that they feel when they're on my account. So I actually Mm. have this and it was very helpful. I recommend doing it for anyone in this space because it is helpful to see like, okay, what, what are people feeling when they're here? And the biggest one was seen, which made me feel amazing because that's what I want people to feel. I also am a big believer in validating everyone's emotions. I hate this narrative of suffering Olympics and that, oh my gosh, yes, like pain Olympics is what I always call it. Yeah, yeah, and I realize this a lot, specifically during pregnancy and postpartum, because, for instance, I'll have a friend call me, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so tired," and then immediately they're like, "Oh God, I shouldn't be telling the pregnant woman I'm tired." I'm like, "You're yeah. allowed to be tired. Yeah, I don't suck up all the tired in the world because I'm pregnant. Yeah, you can yes. be tired and not be pregnant, and I can be tired and be pregnant, and it doesn't fucking matter." And I said that to her and she's like, I guess you're right. But some people will respond like, oh, you're tired. I'm pregnant. And it's the same as the people who are like, just wait. I hate the just wait people in parenting. I want to lose my shit on them. Like, just wait for what? Sometimes it gets... Most of the time, all I've experienced is that, yes, you experience new challenges, but simultaneously you experience new incredible things. And they all have their ups and downs. Changing the tone of just wait is so important. uh, Like, I just have to touch on that because I feel like that with having teens now that everyone was like, oh, just wait till they're teens. And I was like, can you just change the tone to just wait till they're teens? Because it's so great. It's so great. A tone can do it all. Yes. So for me, I really want people to feel seen, heard, understood, less alone. And I guess the way that I kind of approach my content is I really feel like I'm just FaceTiming with people, which I feel you do similarly, where I'm like, these are yeah. just my people. Like, You're just my people. They're my friends. 
Nobody tell some me of my otherwise. friends will be like, what the hell are you doing getting on your stories like that and just <laughs> talking with no plan, no organization, just whatever the hell is happening in the background of your house. I'm like, because if I let perfectionism get in the way or if I thought about all these people that are watching, I would never get on there. Ever. Exactly. Exactly. You just have to show up as yourself and look, some people are going to hate it and that's fine. I don't like everyone. I don't expect everyone to like me, but the people who like you will stick with you and want to be there for you. Yes. And so that's been my mission from day one is to show up as myself because I never want to feel like I have to put on a persona or something yeah. to do my job. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Where can everyone find you and listen to the pod and start tuning in and also be there for the surprise when you have a baby? Because that's always fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of my social media now is Cameron Oaks Rogers. And the show is Freckled Foodie and Friends. We release a new episode every Wednesday. And depending on when these release, you will be on my show, whether it's released yet or not. Yes. So you can also yes. listen to your guest episode. Yeah, we're doing a fun little swap today. So we did mine, we're doing mine now, and then we're going to swap and go over on yours and they'll release at whenever they release. And I'm excited for, I'm excited for the crossover. It's like a fun Me crossover I episode. I think we've got a lot of cross communities. So I think it's going to be really fun. So I'll have everything for listeners in the show notes and uh, make sure you follow Cameron and uh, check out her podcast as well. And you can find me over there and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.